Hello everyone. Welcome to our show, Conversation with Priya. I'm your host, Priya Mishra. And today, our guest is a very special man, Stephen Manalog. is an Indian expert, public relations consultant, and author who has spent the last decades working across border, East and West. He is Director of India and Asia Business Consultant, East West Academy, Chairman Genesis India, Australia, Horticulture Collaboration Project and the author of three books. He brings experience to strategic opportunities and issue management. He writes an occasional blog for Australian Indian Institute. He serves on the judging panel of the annual business award for the Indian Executive Club in Melbourne. Stephen's first book, You Can Communicate, was published by Person Education in 2002. His second, Riding the Elephant, Doing Business, Making Profit in Modern India, Melbourne Books in 2010. His most recent book is Soft Skill for a Flat World, Tata Migra Hills. He has contributed to many newspapers and magazines, including The Age, The Hindu, and The British Medical Journal. Steve's passion is to educate closer business, culture, and tourism ties between the West and India. His regular blog is Into India, which highlights change opportunities and challenges. He's a speak on India and regular guest lecturer in university level in Australia and India. His cross-culture communication program has been used in both countries. Stephen, Stephen is actually spent a lot of time understanding how overall India and Australia business works. Stephen's career began as a journalist with the West Australian newspaper before moving in international affairs and industrial relations. He's based on Melbourne, Victoria. So help me to welcome Mr. Stephen Manalak. Hello, Stephen. Ah. Hi, good to, good to be here with you. Uh, welcome to my show, Conversation with Priya. Thank you for accepting our invitation today. And it's been really honored to invite you today. Um, we are going to have a conversation. Our audience would like to hear a lot about it. I love your passion to the writing you do for the Australian-Indian relationship. Yeah. been following you. Um, would you like to tell something about... I would like to start from there, <laughs> if you don't mind. Would you like to tell me what actually fascinates you to work towards this alliance between Australia and India? Well, the first thing that I discovered about India was I had the expectation that yeah. there was like one India, one country, one culture, you know, like Australia. Yes. All of our major cities are much the same. English is the prevailing language. Well, it's a bit of a shock when I went to India in the first place. <laughs> Because you find that India is not one country, it's many countries. Yes. And it's a miracle that it's the world's biggest democracy. I mean, how they manage that is a mystery to me. Yeah. So there are multiple languages, multiple ways of doing business. The South has one approach, the North has another approach, and Mumbai is like in a world of its own. Yeah, so yeah, sure. And I think in, in India, culture is critically important. You know, I found it such a respectful culture. Yeah. And as, as you'd be aware, here in Australia, we much prefer informality and, and friendliness, you know. Yeah. I play golf with a 14-year-old person here. Yeah. Who doesn't, doesn't call me Mr. Manalik, sir. Yeah. Uh, the 14-year-old will call me Steve-O, you know. <laughs> hey, Steve-O, how's your golf? 
So I found India a great challenge. But the thing I've learned about it is it's smart to investigate and adapt to the culture. Yeah. That's step one. And step two, I think you have to give India time. You know, it's not a quick sell. Yeah. I think yeah, if you've got if you've got three years that you can commit, then I think you've got a chance of making the right connections and getting ahead in India. What yeah. do you think? Interesting fact. Depend. See, I believe company culture uh, or and also the human part of it is very important. India is an emotional country. You know that we we are very yeah. emotional. All of all part of India. That's one common thing across the India. Yes, you are yeah. so right that India ha- is a multicultural country. Even though we all belongs to India, every hundred kilometer different different accent of the language. There was a time yeah. there was three thousand five hundred active languages, and there are now sixteen hundred fifties active languages. And we are very proud of it that we are still united with that, and we That's can. Speak. It's amazing. We, I mean, I heard there are a lot of country lost their battle because of the language barrier. They could not communicate to each other. Whereas India is being like we had one national language which is more Sanskrit oriented, and we all respect that. Thankfully, so that's a very interesting part. Plus, we adopted the English culture as well during two hundred years. We also create many languages when the other cultures join in. We are very welcoming. That's a very beautiful part of it. But for yeah. sure, it takes time. It takes time and it requires a very personal touch when it comes to the business in India. Yeah. yeah. And, well, I won't, I won't recommend it's a Maxingen style three hours lunchtime. But <laughs> yeah, you, you'd need to spend a bit of time there for yeah. sure, for sure. Um, and also your personal PR does help a lot. So you are you have been in the PR and marketing industry for a long, long time, isn't it? I've pretty much worked in communication and PR all of my life. Yeah, and I think you started as a journalist. I did. I did. And and I found I was really better suited to strategy and and communication rather than suited to news and that sort of thing. Sure. So So I, I moved very quickly out and into PR. Very interesting. So you are a self-confessed Indophil. Your blog into India has a huge following, you know. And is there any specific that you would like to highlight about, you know, creating those blogs very specific to this this culture? Look, I, I there's a couple of things that I think leap out as so important for anyone wanting to engage with India. Yeah. And the first thing is to take some time to understand the wonders of the place, the diversity, the geography, the yeah. language, the food, the holidays. You know, when I first went to India, I got advised by all the trade people, never go to India during a holiday festival. I thought, why, uh, why would you miss out? <laughs> I was there during the holly, you know, holly, where they put the colours all over you. Yeah, and, and I had I had a meeting in the afternoon, but I spent some time in the morning, early in the afternoon, going to the Rabindranath Tagore Museum in oh. Calcutta. Yeah, because I love that. I love his philosophy. Yeah, me too. And as you know, that museum is surrounded by the university. Yes. And as we came out of that meeting, we were surrounded by students throwing colourful powder over each other, and I said to my colleague. 
we just can't get out of here without being affected. I had my suit and tie on ready for my appointment and two charming young Indians stood respectfully in front of me and said, excuse me, sir, would you like to share in our Holly Festival and could we put some colours on you? I could not say no. This is part of the experience of India. So there I am covered with colour. We try to get rid of all of that stuff and go to the meeting, but the person in the meeting can see what's happened. And and in true Indian style, they laughed, they embraced us, you know, and got lots of the colour on themselves. (laughs) (laughs) And and we probably had one of the best Indian meetings that you could have. So I'd say the big thing I've got out of it is throw yourself into every element of India. Yeah. Come out of it the richer, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, in I, I, it's not only just an Indian. I believe it's part of every cultural context. If you yeah. go into any culture, yeah. I always is, uh, ask when I do the marketing strategy, and you, you've been doing marketing strategy for a while. You would agree. I always say, if you're going to a market, know the market culture first, right? Yeah. Know the person whom you are gonna target. Don't don't need to know the whole entire world. Know the actual segment and exactly the same psychology and intent of that particular market, and you will do wonders. Yeah, I think that's the important thing. And and don't expect them to be like you. For After sure. All, what makes the world interesting? Diversity and difference. Yeah. But we share so much in common. Yeah, yeah. We for have sure. a respect for people. We have a peaceful attitude. We love cricket. <laughs> <laughs> we both we, love cricket, Australia, we India. Cricket. Uh, we, we're both democracies. We have universities. We have rule of law. These are great commonalities. Yeah. And so if we learn what the differences are, then the commonalities become even better. Yeah. So what's in your word is an effective communication strategy. Does it mean telling the hard facts, plain truth or hide the truth is a, is a polished jargon? Well, it's, it's a good question and I don't think it's any of those, if I can say. <laughs> but, but let me explain what I mean. I certainly don't think uh, polishing... Uh, jargon, using jargon is the way to go, of course. Yeah. And and in this digital era, that's even less of a good way to go because yeah. people people are very aware of, you know, corporate speak or selling speak and they want to drill down and get genuinely useful information. Yeah. So here's what I'd say. I, I, think, I think you start in communication with being really direct about who is it that we need to influence. Mm. And so many people jump straight into what's the campaign going to be without without really analysing who is it, who who, who is it that we really want to. And, And then I think we have to then go, well, once we know who they are, how do they normally receive information? Yeah. And what has an impact on them? Mm. Well, you've got a who and a how and a what. <laughs> These are very simple things yeah. that they can lead you to strategy. And, and, and then I think the final question is to be really serious about if we are going to succeed with this person, what is it? 
yeah. that will make them say yes. Yes, yes. And, and, and if we start a campaign and we don't know the answer to that, then I think we're going to waste a lot of time. So sure. I, I guess you're agreeing with what I'm saying, huh? Yes, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's all about how well prepared you are, doing your homework, knowing the market, and strategizing based on the understanding of the market. It's it's very important, for sure, for sure. So that is also, so you've been in the journalism for a while. Whenever you talk of India, a comparison with China seems inevitable. China is a spite of comparable population has done for better than India in economic terms. Australia's trade with China is 10 times more than in trade with India. China has been able to pull more people out of poverty than India has been able to do. Is India's democracy a drag on its development agenda? What do you think about it? Do you know, I think India's democracy is one of its long-term strengths. I truly believe that. Sure. I, think it's, I think it's got two great strengths: a youthful population. Yes. The 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 uh, demographic dividend they call it. Yeah. Which I think is going to pay out in the next decade. Mm-hmm. And democracy. Mm-hmm. So it is disappointing at one level that Australian trade with India is around twenty billion, and Australian trade with China is about two hundred billion. Um. But I think we have to accept that these are very different countries. Yeah. Driven by different desires. Yeah. For example, China is now global trade dependent. Yeah. It, it, it needs to trade. Yeah. Whereas India has always had something of a goal, even under Prime Minister Modi, of being self-sufficient. Yes. Yes. And and so so I think that's I think that has slowed our relationship down a little. Mm. But there are some things that are speeding it up. Mm. Um, one, of course, is the impact of China itself. Yes. Because, yes. for example, recently, Japan, India, and Australia signed an agreement to work together on future supply chains. Yeah. This could be massive. Yeah. Also, the Quad Group and many others. And the quad Group. Yeah. And so the Quad Group is strategically oriented mm. and, and defence uh, compatibilities and the supply chains is really, I think COVID-19 made Japan, Australia and India realise mm. we're dependent on China now for a lot of our essential supplies. Yeah. It's yeah. probably not a good supply chain basis. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's a shame for India that we actually get dragged into it without realizing what we are doing for a long time due to maybe long leadership or something or yeah. without a lack of analysis of the international market. But under Modi government, there are a lot of things are changing, which is good. Made in India concept he brought. He brought a lot of sustainability concept in the, mar- in the market and introduced to the economy. He also bringing a lot of... Uh, the biggest challenge was Indian uh, supply chain was actually connectivity. Yeah. And I, you will be amazed to hear the projects which was holding from 17, 17, 1974-1976, that completed within just two, three years. <laughs> right? So you can imagine what kind of a leadership India was having that it delayed for 20, 25 years, one project which has been started long time ago, or 40 years, you would say. So, Mr. Modi is, uh, I, I, I dubbed him a year or two ago as Action Man. And, you know, I wasn't being political. I was just saying, 
I've been following India for a long time. Way back, I studied it at university. Yeah. And now with business relationships. And for most of that time, pretty much nothing changed and nothing happened. Right. For example, you mentioned internal supply chains were just uh, terrible. Yeah. And then Modi comes in and suddenly there are good, air, good airports I see. I go to ports and they're, they're like a western port. I go to... Uh, I go to cities and, and, and there are facilities that were never there yeah. before, not to mention the highways linking cities together. So a lot to do, of course, but I think it's an exciting place to be. Yeah, I mean, it's a, of course, it's a developing country. It's a low economic situation. Um, but of course, India go, Indian government did a lot in during last six to seven years, like sanitization project. They, yeah. like, we have a lot of toilet built recently in all part of the world. We, it is by the government incentive, as well as also he encouraged people for upper medium class and the higher class to adopt the village and upgrade the village to the next level. There are 80 smart cities building up the Sagarmala project which is actually connecting all the uh, sea line and also the road you know the India Mala project which is actually connecting all Indian road channel with the shipping men. and also they are um, partnering with the Japan to bring the best of the technology which is really good there are a lot of good things is happening in terms of when it comes to the trade Australia participated in the trade a treaty recently signed on the in uh, all Asia APEC reason India refused to join. Do you have any say about it? This is the uh, RCEP, RCEP, yeah, Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership, <laughs> which covers China, Japan, Australia, and about fourteen or so, or ten or a dozen of the ASEAN countries. Yes. This is the biggest trade block in the world. Yes. And Australia is part of it. Um, now, the exciting thing is, for some time, India was involved in the negotiations. Yes. It's not there yet. It's not there now. But I know that behind the scenes, there are moves that could eventuate in India coming into that deal. Yeah. That would be a great thing. Um, because I think... You know, when when you, we've we've always hoped that Australia could have a free trade arrangement, yes, agreement with India, but you know we come at it from different perspectives. Let's be honest. What does Australia want to sell into India? Well, a lot of our agribusiness, yes. Yes. <laughs> now, what's what what's one of the most powerful political lobbies and sensitivities in India? The agribusiness community and the rural population. For so, sure. It's unrealistic to mm. expect the borders to come down. The other thing is when we say, why don't you take our, our food and our minerals, India comes back and I was actually at trade meetings and saw a shattered Australian trade minister come out of the negotiations. India will come back and say, well, why don't you take our people? Why do you close the doors? We have many people wanting to come and live in Australia. You mm. could take more. Why don't you? Well, yeah. I think from their side, it's a fair question. Yes. And yes. from our side, when you think what the Indian diaspora has contributed to Australia, then in my simple way, I say, yeah, why not? But so I think that's a slightly long-winded way of saying. Yeah. I think the regional comprehensive economic partnership might one day include India and mm -hmm. wouldn't that be exciting? 
yeah it will be really exciting but india has a different kind of challenge to face if we will start accepting agriculture product in india remember india is maximum population more than 70 80% lives in villages people outside people recently one of an aussie friend told me that india is one of the country who is contributing highest in the pollution in world i'm like you have a wrong fact because we have the most greenery area due to our farming land we do the green farming we do not do the animal farming so you know and and the oh yes delhi delhi is one of the most polluted city but it doesn't mean whole india is contributing on that it's not representative so i know <laughs> but but still i i take a, a really positive view of india I mean, they've they've taken enormous steps forward. Millions and millions have been lifted out of poverty. Great achievements have been made, and I think it's heading. And this is not Steve. This is what economists are saying. Within the next decade, it could well be the third largest economy in the world. Yeah. It probably won't aspire to be the first. that that might be a battle between china and the usa yeah india was never be part never wanted to be like that they they no. want all their interest i have seen so far and it's kind of a uh, like a day to day routine habit as well like in the family also compete with your son to your best save your 30% of liquid money you know yes, <laughs> stay ready for the rainy season we are more worried about that we we are not aspiring to become a world power and if we will become someday fortunately unfortunately whatever you call it but we once we if we will reach someday we won't be actually we will be really a true leader in that sense if you I, yes. would you agree with that you know yeah I, i i think i think great things are ahead and and i hope that australia has the skills and and the necessary time frame to be there when the opportunities arise for sure and india is doing a lot on the humanity ground is going uh, indian army is actually contributing all other armies actually contributing to clean up the whole war front indian yeah. army is actually silently contributing on a human rights and human based deeds whenever it requires um, our enemy is pakistan but we are the first one to reach there to help them when polar situation came uh, uh, nepal they ask us and then when we help them we come out they say okay go out thank Thank you so much but we are there we prefer to be there do you think lot of time western media actually misrepresent the whole indian aspects of it there's there's no doubt in my mind western media repeatedly misrepresents the reality of modern india yeah. it misrepresents communalism it 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 portrays india as a land of slums and communal violence yeah and while india has some violence and has some slums it it's like 1.2 or 1.3 billion people so this is almost inevitable yeah but they do not they do not understand the the india story yeah. and i would advise anyone wanting to know about india to never go to a western media source <laughs> you you won't learn anything you yeah. really won't. it's full of pre- prejudice and bias yeah and i really i strongly suggest you do the research yourself mm. or you go along to india with india experts because otherwise you'll be badly misled so 
where is this Indian PR and strategy counseling industry is now? Where do you think it will like, does it still have a long way to go before it achieve the international scale? Oh, India, India has some of the world's best PR practitioners. It has, it's produced many of the world's best writers and journalists. Sure. But we have to remember it's also a celebrity culture. <laughs> yes. So, 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 for example, in Australia, a PR firm might focus on drilling down and strategy and persuasiveness. In Indian culture, it may well be that you latch onto a celebrity reputation with your brand. Yeah. Yeah. So, so to me, that's that's the cult, one cultural difference. But from my experience, I've I've been close to two firms there. Um, I think they're outstanding. I probably shouldn't name them on your program, but I, I, I've admired the skill level. Uh, one is in PR, more conventional PR strategy. The other in digital, modern media. And, and I think there's some great work coming out of India and probably a lot more better work to come. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I have, I mean, I have been getting a lot of complaint about Indian serviceability. Even World Economic Forum, Forum raised this concern that India is the one of the youngest country having 70% population under 42 years of age, which is youngest yeah. population. And it's not just a population, we have a skill set. We are a highly educated people, yeah. right? I mean, I in India, in Australia, it's a concept of uh, overqualified, but in India, there is no concept of overqualified. Every qualification is less. So, <laughs> so if you go more and more education side, if you have noticed that with all that skill set, it's still the serviceability is a missing part. And that's also a highlight of the World Economic Forum, not from the individual's feedback. Uh, and I'm pretty sure you also aware that Modi government is also doing a lot to upscaling the serviceability point of view. Do you think these the cultural context wise, the India should also more prepare in terms of serviceability for the Western world? Look, I think I think the the ease of doing business there is is rapidly improving. It's rapidly improving. I think anyone who went to India even two, three years ago and perhaps was disappointed should go back and have a look at the first opportunity yes. because things have changed very fast. And I agree with you about the young population and the commitment to education. That's going to produce great long-term outcomes for India. Uh, this, this country is set to make a unique contribution to global affairs. You know, the newly elected President Biden has virtually almost already, and I've just been writing about this, virtually almost already committed to making sure India gets a seat at the United Nations. That would be interesting to see, whereas we are not big fond of the <laughs> UN seat and, and the WHO, but yeah, that would be interesting to see the shift. You know? I, I, I think it's going to be rapid. So my advice to people is um, run the course with India. Enjoy the trip. Um, get in touch with the culture, put your best foot forward, be ready to adapt, yeah. and you can build a long-term connectivity at all levels with India. Yeah, uh, for sure. And, and I think it offers much to Australia. For sure. 
I mean, if our first government would have been more in more aggressive enough, we'd, we would have been in UN 60 years ago. So yeah. instead of gifting it to the China, so would have been very interesting shift at that time. But time is coming. Um, yeah. I'm looking forward for our, this publication and I'm looking forward from hearing the audience what they are saying. This brings to our end end of this show, but I would like to hear something. Is there any particular suggestion you would like to give to the young PR people who are joining in the industry? You know, young PR person, remain curious. <laughs> remain curious. You can never stop learning in this life and never stop dreaming. So if you learn and dream, I think your future is exciting. Whatever age you are, but particularly if you're young. <laughs> yeah, when you are starting up, for sure, yeah. for sure. Thank you. And if people want to find you, I would be sharing uh, your details uh, in our description and they should be able to reach you out if it's okay with you. Yeah. Okay. Thanks very much. I enjoyed it. And uh, I hope people continue to connect with India. Thank you. Thank you for your feedback and all your contribution to the work you are doing to making this whole alliance closer. India and Australia has a lot to contribute and give to each other. Thank you for, thank you for joining in today. Thanks, Priya. Enjoyed it. 